available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We're getting down to the end of the season. Got some interesting games to recap. We're going to split it up into two shows this week. David Woods, he's on assignment. He's uh, out gallivanting around. Las Vegas. So we're going to do a recap show. And then later in the week, we'll do a preview show for week 12. So, so, you know, just had four games to talk about. We'll try to do, we'll do our best to answer your questions a little bit later on in the week. But if you have any questions for us, pack podcast at gmail.com is the email address, or you could either call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at pack 12 podcast and the website is always pack 12 podcast. Dot com. Subscribe and rate us on all of the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Megaphone, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. We're on all of them. Leave us uh, some positive feedback. A five-star rating is always great. We love it. Tell your friends about the Podcast of Champions. Dave, we're going to split up this week. I kind of feel good about this. This is the way we used to do it. Remember, we used to do two shows a week. This used to be, uh, this was once the way of our people, but it wasn't as if those two shows were any shorter than our combined show. <laughs> I want to say when we were doing two shows a week, they still ended up invariably an hour and a half or more longer. This one today is going to be under an hour. Yes. David has things to do. Uh, there's uh, you know, I don't know. There's bottle service waiting for him somewhere. I don't well, He's part you know me, you know me and the clubs, you know, yes. I just want to make rub in this crub. Um, <laughs> yeah. By that, I mean, I need to like go better, go to bed at a reasonable hour. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Well, we'll go through this pretty quickly. Uh, a little topics at the top of the show. Uh, the AP poll, Oregon moves up a spot. They're number six. Utah's number eight. Both those teams were idle. So the two teams that have a shot at, at the college football playoff. But some positive things happened uh, with Alabama losing. Um, you know, potentially helps out uh, the, the, the cause for the Pac-12 making a team into the playoff. Uh, Washington, they were other receiving votes. They would be 35th in the poll and uh, in the AP poll. And USC had like a couple votes. They would be 39th in the poll. But, you know, positive steps, at least for a chance for a Pac-12 team to make the playoff this week, Dave. It certainly seems so. It certainly seems so. Um, You know, mostly because they were idle. No chance to lose. Um, And uh, with LSU knocking off Alabama, it's a whole new world out there. Maybe not. I mean, if you look at it, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, I think they're all still in basically any analytic system still rated way above any Pac-12 team. But hey, we're in the business of having chances. Right. Pac-12 has a chance. Exactly. Pac-12 has a chance. Congrats to uh, Coach Ed Orgeron, uh, one of my favorite dudes in this business. So really happy to see him doing well. I got a lot of arguments. You'd love it, Dave. I don't know if you, you got probably didn't get to see on Saturday, but a lot of arguments with USC fans who keep 
saying that Orgeron wasn't the right guy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, he's got the number one team in the country right now, so maybe he was the right guy. <laughs> but uh, he's in a perfect spot for him at LSU. And uh, just, you know, he was always great to us. Uh, just, you know, was a good dude and uh, good to see him uh, doing well. Every, you know, when you beat Nick Saban, like, you got, everyone's got to be happy for him, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a good, um, I mean, I, I don't know much about the man at all, um, but as a football coach and just isolating on the football coach career, it, it, it kind of has that redemption arc that everyone likes to see in any kind of story. Um, and, you know, these are all, the, the way we think about coaches is all very fictionalized anyway. Um, everyone fits like a trope or an archetype. And Orgeron, you know, it's kind of that guy who really failed and sucked and, and was kind of beaten down. And then, you know, now he's got the number one team in the country and he's, he's doing it um, in a way that I think reflects the humility of failure um, by basically giving up, you know, kind of what his preferred, I think, offensive style would have been, which is that kind of like ground and pound traditional stuff. Um, and just giving over the reins to somebody who I think was that Saints guy who came in and just kind of changed up the whole thing, gave him a full modern look, and now they're capable of putting up 46 on Alabama. Um, so, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good story. Not, you know, it's a very good, um, you know, arc for, uh, for Orgeron there in LSU. Yeah, and uh, our friend Bruce Feldman did a nice feature on him in The Athletic if you want to check it out, but like his – you know, how devastating it was that he wasn't given the USC job at the time. And then really how lucky he was to get the LSU gig, because if they would have fired less, less miles when they were supposed to, he would have never got that opportunity, but they kept him on an extra year that, you know, and so Orgeron gets the chance to be the interim coach and show what he can do. They weren't going to pay the kind of money that Texas was paying, um, for, uh, why am I blanking on his name for, uh, who's Texas's head coach? Tom Herman. Tom Herman. They weren't going to win that sweepstakes, so Orgeron gets a chance. So everything kind of had to fall into place perfectly for that. But it's a good story. So uh, congrats to uh, Coach O. Uh, players of the week in the Pac-12, uh, Keaton Slovis for USC, the quarterback. He had 297 yards and four touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, so he gets that. A linebacker for Washington. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. And then uh, Evan Price, uh, kicker for Colorado. He's a... Uh, Three three field goals in the game, and he was the the backup. So I don't think I think it was his first action there. Um, for offensive lineman, it's Arlington Hambright uh, for Colorado. Joe Tryon, who had I think fifteen tackles for loss uh, for Washington <laughs> against Oregon State, and then uh, Keaton Christian, the freshman of the week, uh, USC tailback, had a couple touchdowns. Big game for him. He's pretty much the only healthy tailback that they have available. He's already played four games. They'd like him to redshirt, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But congrats to all the Pac-12 players of the week. Congratulations to all. Yeah. Um, well, we have to uh, get into our uh, game recap because, like, David is on a uh, budget as far as time goes. So we're going to do our Pac-12 roundup. Because, you know, that's what we do here. Oh, uh, before we do it, do we want to talk about the referee thing during the game recap or do you want to start off with that? Why don't we start off with it? Um, so the Pac-12 admitted in like the weirdest technical language um, that they made an egregious screw up in um, in the Washington State Cal game this weekend, um, where they it was a kickoff, correct? Where they called the or was it a kickoff? It was a kickoff return. So Washington State returned a kickoff to the fifty. It was a really nice kickoff return. 
And I went back and just watch, rewatched it just to like, because I don't, you know, you didn't know what was happening at the time. There was Pac-12 rush were throwing flags all over the place. After this play, they kept throwing flags. There was a double, like personal foul, like thirty-yard penalty against Washington State, like within five minutes of this. But they call the penalty against the wrong team. So instead of Washington State, they got the ball at the fifty, hands to the face. They should have got the ball at the Cal thirty-five. They call it hands to the face against Washington State, which was the wrong per. They called it against the wrong team. They couldn't get the colors of the jersey correct. And Washington State starts at their eight-yard line. It's a 20-11 to 11 game in the third quarter, I believe, at the time this happens. Washington State does get a field goal on the drive, but they were moving the ball really well. They get into uh, Cal territory, and a holding call kind of stalled the drive. But if they would have moved the ball like they did from the eight, they would have scored a touchdown. You don't know what's going to happen, but certainly – 57 yards of field position, Dave, from the, <laughs> their, their eight, they should have been at the Cal 35. Just mentally, when you're starting a drive at your own eight versus you're starting a drive, it's sort of like you're down, you're starting at the Cal 35. It's like you're, you're rolling downhill already, especially with that offense. I mean, that's a huge, huge screw up. What I'm, I'm big on, you know, oh, the field position doesn't really matter when you're like punting from the other team's side of the field. You should really just go for it because there's no big difference in like 20 yards, 30 yards of field position. There's a big difference in 57 yards of field position. <laughs> That's so nuts. And the way they explained it was basically, well, the call was technically correct. It was a communication and mechanical failure. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, how is nobody else on the field or in the booth saying, hey, you got that one totally wrong in real time. Like, how is that not happening in real time? Like, the guy who actually identified the issue, like the one who actually said, hey, hands to the face, how does he not go over to the ref right when the ref incorrectly states it and say, hey, you're actually stating that wrong? Like, what what was the breakdown here? I I don't know. It's the Pac-12 refs. John Canzano wrote a nice piece on it, which is a lot more critical than – uh, John Wilner's piece, but they both were basically like, hey, this isn't working. You got to blow this stuff up. Kanzano, yeah, I mean, Kanzano just went all in on this one. I'm like, this is pretty egregious. I mean, it really could have cost, you know, Washington State has one Pac-12 win. Like, this could have cost them the game, you know? I mean, that's, uh, it. Cal played a lot. We'll talk about that later, but this is a huge screw-up in the game, and apparently they knew about it. Like the very next play, they figured it out, but like they already run a play, and it was it wasn't even a play you'd want to negate. It was like Max Borgie took a little swing pass and got absolutely blown up, and you're like <laughs> that play shouldn't have even happened. Like that poor dude takes a huge hit because the Pac-12 refs are idiots, you know. And man, is that is that a mistake? And it's not like they were like doing you know negating some calls against Washington State to try to make up for it. Like I said, within a few minutes of that. There was a, I think it was like a, per, a late head out of bounds, and then one of the Washington State refs was screaming at the official. Not one of the Washington State coaches or support people was screaming at the official for making that call, and it was a, I mean, it was the right call. But I think they're probably mad at the other call, thinking that they weren't going to get like, and so he gets another flag. So it was a thirty-yard penalty just on that one. So it wasn't like they were cutting Washington State any breaks after they screwed this one up so badly. Yeah, that was yeah. incredible. 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 I mean, that's as Pac-12 refs as it gets. Like, It's so beautiful. It's a beautiful it thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. All right, well, let's do uh, – I want to do our recap, and we're going to talk about you know the picks may be a little controversial in, in Dave's mind, but not in mine. Uh, but 
<laughs> we both went two and two uh, this week. I did switched we? mine at did the we, last Ryan? We did we? We completely did. But during this Thanksgiving week, during Thanksgiving week coming up, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. So listen to this. If you oh, a risk-free, a, t- a risk-free bet, Ryan? Is that kind of like when you get to just switch your pick an hour before the game starts? I with put it out on Twitter. Reception? I made it clear. Put it out on Twitter. But this is risk-free beyond that because if you choose a team – Pick against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You win. That's great. But you there's you will also get extra holiday spending money because if you lose, congratulations to you as well. They'll give you your money back. So it's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose this game. No risk. It's all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come and play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do yourself a favor. You want to bet sports? You got questions? Don't sweat it. My bookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of this incredible sign-up offer. So log into mybookie.ag, make your first deposit with the promo code PAC12, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of that risk-free bet you get for Thanksgiving. So let me repeat. There's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you don't want to let this opportunity pass you by. You cannot lose. So make sure you do your part. Go to mybookie.ag, hop on the gravy train, and get in on the action at mybookie. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And David, I put it out on Twitter that I was not I was switching my bet. We found out that Jaden Daniels. Ryan, I texted Ryan, you. You're using you're using a we a we here. When I was on top of a mountain, I was on oh. top of a mountain. Well, it's our shared Twitter were, account, so it, it's, it's official. That's not official. <laughs> this requires consent, Ryan. Mm. This requires consent. So let's just set the stage for everyone. Uh, there's rumors going around that Jaden Daniels might be out for the game starting a day before the game. Ryan doesn't text me then. No, no, I don't text him then because I'm not a coward. I'm not a cheat. <laughs> we get to Saturday. It's what an hour before game time. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's one hour well before game time, like be, one hour before say. game time. I am literally on the top of Angel's Landing in Zion National Park, and homeboy's texting me. Well, I don't get those text messages, not until four hours later. To be fair, if you were, like, on your couch, you might not have got those text messages. Is that fair? This is true. This is true. (laughs) However, am I required to maintain real-time awareness and functional awareness to, like, be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll make a decision about this pick, too. No, the reason we make picks once a week is so that we don't have to then think about this again. All right. Well, good this thing under, I keep track this, of everything. This and we is agree. under protest. Under <laughs> protest. There was one Twitter guy that didn't. That there was a Bruin fan that didn't like it. But everyone else seemed to be okay with no, it. No, no. I, I I actually have an accounting of everyone who responded to that, and it was almost unanimous that thought that was absolute BS. Okay. Well, Here, no, no, no. we're going to read the responses. No, we're going to do this. We're going to take time out <laughs> I of the podcast. I thought you had limited time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. But we're going to we're going to really hit this hard. All right. <clears throat> First response uh, from Freak My Dick. Uh, Vegas lets you do that, right? Sarcastically. Yes. Uh, dr- Drowning Jacks. That's so weak. Uh, from this David David Woods fellow. 
Uh, no, fuck that. This isn't fantasy football. Uh, Bruin guy. I'm with Dave. Let it happen now and all bets are off for every last second change of heart in the future. Take your L, Ryan. Uh, we've got a Joey Yellen might pull a Slovis, though. LOL, which is kind of funny. He almost did. Uh, we've got, a, again, from Bruin guy. I do not believe the rules permit this. We have a GIF from JC Ute who says, Too late, Francine. Too effing late. Mm. Uh, we have something from the Mountain Lord. No takebacks. And from your own. USC takes revenge. Nope, you muff, you muff, fucking hater. Ha ha ha! JK man, fight on. See, there was not a joking. single supportive tweet in there, Ryan. Yeah. Everyone unanimously says, "Right, take your L." You know what? The advantage of having to do all the work for the podcast is you can make these calls. So I get to wow. make these calls. It's not wow. a democracy. Uh, under under protest. <laughs> under protest. <laughs> I am filing. I am filing one of those official complaints that coaches file with the Pac-12 front offices that, that, that goes, get thrown into the trash. Yeah, that goes over. Well. <laughs> those, yeah, those do great things. All right, well, let's recap the games. I know you got to go. Um, all right, first up, our number twelve team, Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> they didn't lose, uh, but they were on a bye. So, uh, hey, that's something. Yeah, that's a little something. Uh, all right, next up. Uh, this one, we have our number 11 team. Colorado Buffalo. And they were taking on our uh, number 10 team. Stanford Cardinal. So that makes no sense to me. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me either. I did. I, unfortunately, I didn't even vote this week. Um, it was kind of a crazy... Uh, Sunday for me, so I didn't get to a uh, chance to vote, so I feel bad. But I don't, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have had Colorado uh, below Stanford. But it's it's such a mess. Like, what are you going to say? Yeah, what can you do? Well, Colorado beat Stanford um, this weekend, sixteen to thirteen, in just as pretty a game as that sounds like. Um, I don't know if it was, was that pretty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the the thing is, I think we can say some things about Stanford now. KJ Costello was there for this one. This was not a Jack West special. Um, Stanford has looked its best when Davis Mills has been playing. I think you can kind of, I would say that pretty definitively at this point. That was the one part of the year where Stanford actually looked really good. Um, losing to Colorado on the road, that's that's pretty bad. Um, for Colorado, I thought Steven Montez was not great, um, but he was at least looking to run a little bit. Uh, which is something he has only done intermittently this year. Um, and it was something that was a big asset of his game his freshman year. Um, so, you know, getting 40 yards on eight carries and a touchdown, um, I thought that was critical for him um, and for Colorado uh, to win this one. But they also, yeah, they 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 got the Pac-12 kicker of the week this week, did the buffs. Um, yeah, and their, their to, main kicker was hurt. They'd like, their backup he, comes in and kicker of the week. And he's just killing it, just killing it. Um, so that was good. Uh, but yeah, Stanford, I mean, really they should have been able to do a lot more offensively against this Colorado defense. Um, Costello was not super efficient through the air. Um, he had a pick, uh, but also just the fact that they were not able to run the ball consistently, I thought was kind of shocking. Um, Cameron Scarlett has had some nice performances this year, but he only had 13 carries for 63 yards. Um, just not able to do really anything. Um, for Colorado, Alex Fontenot was back, um, which definitely helped them. 
Um, he had 18 carries for 95 yards. Uh, but a really nice win for Colorado. Um, keeps them still, you know, probably not, but keeps them still on the possibility of uh, getting bowl eligible this season. Um, and Stanford, I think, is still, you know, it's been a weird and wild Pac-12 season with a lot of parity, but I think you can still make an argument that Stanford is in that conversation for the worst team in the league this year. Yeah, like I thought they sort of turned a corner, and man, did they not. I mean, Colorado, five-game losing streak, uh, 14 games of giving up 30 points or more, and Stanford manages 13. Like, that's peak David Shaw, where you yep. you have to figure out a way to not score 30 on this Colorado team, and somehow... Stanford did that. Uh, you'd start up when you start up like Colorado scored a TD right away, and then Stanford got a field goal, and you're like, I don't think this is going to go. And Dave got this one right; he picked Colorado. I had Stanford. Uh, you're like, you kind of felt that th- this is the way going to go this way, but then all these weird things were happening. Like Stanford muffed a punt, and Colorado would have had the ball in great field position, except they had a holding call that negated it. Uh, Colorado picked up a third and sixteen, and you're like, wow, they're moving, and then. Stanford gets a pick right back. Like all these weird, huge plays were going uh, back and forth. They had a, there was a, a Stanford touchdown that was taken away uh, by a call um, by one of the referees calls. And uh, they had a, right, a really nice drive. And then Costello throws that interception. Uh, they missed a field goal. Like Stanford was just not looking sharp and you just it was very strange and you know that this was a Colorado defense you could take advantage of and like you said they weren't able to run the ball consistently it just didn't look like this was a buttoned up you know effort by Stanford I don't know as good as they looked the week before they just didn't look that good uh this week so and I thought they were just doing enough to lose and I I think RJ uh Abadia tweeted this he said Stanford's doing just enough to lose a game it should be dominating. And you always felt like, well, Stanford's can still win this. They can still win this. But they just would make these little mistakes over and over and over again. Um, so this year, Colorado's given up 35 points a game on defense. And so, like I said, this is a David Shaw kind of thing. Um, they they would drive into Colorado territory, get like back-to-back sacks, and just go backwards. Um and then the you know the last second field goal won it for Colorado. That's why you know why the kicker ended up getting the Pac-12 Player of the Week. It was a real, it was a nice drive. They picked up some first downs. They bled the clock. It was kind of Stanford-esque the way Colorado sort of ended the game. But five possessions for Stanford went inside Colorado's forty, and they got just six points off it. So this was it, this was a huge step back for me, David. Like I thought Stanford was like sort of surging a little bit, but. You're right. They they have to be considered one of the worst in the league now. Yeah, and whichever outcome, so the likeliest outcome for this season is that they finish five and seven, uh, lose to Wazoo. We'll we'll talk about that game, but also lose to Notre Dame, um, and that would be the worst Stanford record uh, since 2008. Um, and by SRS standards, it would probably end up being the worst team since then as well. Um, so. Clear downward trend uh, for David Shaw. I mean, it's worth noting at this point, um, you know, from 2015 when it was, I think, a very good to elite team, uh, it's been a it's been a significant downward slope now. Yeah. Um, and it's five straight years of just downward trending for that program. I mean, that Arizona win, uh, you know, looked great. And then you get a bye week and you just, you know, I just really thought Stanford would come out. And start playing some pretty good football with Costello in there. And uh, I think it's the thing the problem is there's a couple of teams that are just like week to week, it looks like they're almost tanking. Like Arizona, like some weeks they look like they're absolute 
dog crap, and then we adjust our expectations for them, and then they play well suddenly. Um, Colorado was the same deal. Um, you know, I thought they actually played pretty well in this game. Yeah. It wasn't just that Stanford was so bad. Colorado looked, you know, oh, okay, they, they may have figured some things out again. Um, but it's just, it's, it's so hard to complete. No team seems to be consistent at this point. No. It's just all kind of, you know, which, te- which team just has nothing figured out every week. And yeah. that's just what happens. I, I mean, I just really felt like watching Stanford and the talent they have on offense, they should have been able to roll out of bed and score 25, you know, if, if not 30. And they just couldn't do anything. It was, it was not running the, not being able to run the ball at all in Colorado is, is, is shocking to me for Stanford. Yeah. But this is like the way the Pac-12 is now. We're going to see in teams, and we're going to, the next game we're going to talk about too, where complete reverse of what you've seen like in prior weeks, and that's just kind of the way this this conference is. So um, we'll see. All right. So next up, uh, our number nine team, and you get this this one. Sorry, Cougs. Washington State Cougars. You don't get the growl this week. Uh, they were on the road taking on California Golden Bears. Yeah. Wow, this one was um, stunning. Um, so Cal won 33-20, and it wasn't like it was a fluky 33-20. I thought they really controlled this one throughout. Um, oh, yeah. It was it was 33-14 with five seconds left in the game. So, I mean, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, this was a, and the thing was, they were doing it with like, I mean, Devon Modster, look at this stat line. Let's just all bask in this for a second. He was 16 of 24 for 230 yards and three touchdowns. Let's take a look back at his game log for this season, <laughs> shall we? Uh, prior to that, he was, oh, in the previous game against Oregon State, 12 of 27 for 151 yards. Okay, so more attempts and uh, 79 fewer yards. Against Oregon, 17 of 34 for 190 yards and a couple of picks. Uh, against ASU, 5 of 14 for 23 yards and a pick. 14 attempts for 23 yards. That was three games ago. And then he goes, uh, completes, you know, 66% of his passes uh, for almost 10 yards a pass. It's crazy. What are you doing, Washington State? What are you doing? Um, but Cal was able to do a lot of different things offensively, though. They were able to throw the ball really well. They also ran the ball extremely well. Uh, Modster was able to make plays with his legs, but also... Brown um, had almost 100 yards, which for Cal, that's that's a lot of yards. Um, and what was, I mean, maybe the most shocking part was just how ineffective Washington State was offensively. Um, you know, Anthony Gordon, he put up some, you know, garish yardage numbers. But once again, when they when an air raid only gets to about 400 yards, but they have to take 60 attempts to do that, that's really not great. Um, and it's, it's kind of keeping them within... Um, within the proper bounds to get a win. Um, but they were just, I mean, he threw a pick on the initial um, drive uh, to Jalen Hawkins, which gave Cal great field position on the 27, single play touchdown, uh, which was then had the PAT return for two points, which made this all look weirder because uh, I was just <laughs> checking in for like the first little bit of this game. I was just checking in on it and I saw it was six to five. Yeah. Um, which really, that, that really made my day. Um but, I mean, Cal's defense really showed up, um, really stood up to the challenge. And I was, but I think I was most impressed by the fact that Cal was able to score 33 on anybody. That was, that's, that blew me away. Five offensive touchdowns for California. Five. I didn't know they allowed that. that, that I mean, 
they were offensing. Uh, they, they start both halves with a Washington State turnover turned into a touchdown. So that was uh, you know way to cash in there. That the six to two thing was crazy. Blocking the PAT runs, you know, falls right into the lap of one of the Washington State, you know, outmen, and he just runs it in for a the two point conversion. So it's six to two. Um, you know, Washington State was favored by seven and a half in this game, but they just couldn't do anything. Now, I'm not saying that they were like rallying, but they actually had a pretty good looking drive on that one. They had to start at their own eight instead of the 35, <laughs> and they sort of ran out of gas. I, I'm, I mean, but Cal just played better, and it was one of those things where. Things have to work for Cal in the right direction where they, they were offensing. Like, Monster was throwing balls to, like, it wasn't just – there were some tunnel screens and there were some things where he's dumping it off and, and you know, you get yards after catch. But he was making throws down the field. There was a two-point conversion. He he roped one, hit his tight end, like, in the chest, and he dropped it. And you're like, what the heck is going on? It looked like a different player the way yeah. they were offensing. And, you know, they I guess they used to bye week well. Uh, Justin Wilcox said that they had some plans for their quarterback and whatever, but I, whatever they were doing, it looked like it, it didn't even look like the same team. It certainly didn't look like the same offense. Um, I mean, they were, he was throwing balls downfield and they weren't like landing out of bounds or fight. Like he was hitting guys in stride and you're well, like, that's, what's going on. So the thing with Modster, um, the, the one thing he can do really, really well, um, that's a big strength for him is just these moonshot throws downfield. Okay. Um, like that's his one, like that's his like area of expertise. He's not super accurate on like the intermediate stuff, but he can really throw a, a nice deep ball. So maybe it was partly just kind of playing to his strengths. I don't know. Yeah. There was weird stuff too. Like on third downs, Washington state was like throwing like back shoulder fades, like down the field instead of you know, in third and one, instead of like just trying to pick it up. They didn't run the ball. I think it once in the second or third quarters, um, <sighs> There was like a third and one, and and uh, Gordon got sacked for like twenty five yard loss or something ridiculous. Like there was all these things that were just going wrong, and I think Cal got the lead, and it allowed it. It showed what this defense can do, and went critical downs. They were rushing three guys, getting some pressure, and dropping a whole bunch of guys back into coverage, which we've seen teams do to USC. So Cal's game plan worked, but it was. Getting those early leads and having the lead the whole time, Cal was, looked like a different team. If Washington State would have scored first, like I don't think it would have turned out this way, but it's sort of like Cal got the lead and then they were like using the whole like play clock every time they were snapping the ball, and it just it seemed to work uh, right in Cal's favor. So, I mean, Washington State being one in five in conference, our buddy Ryan Leaf, I don't know if he's our buddy, but I like tweeting with him stuff. He's cool. To, he's a cool dude. He put his power rankings out last week and he had Washington State third and I'm like dude they have one win in the Pac-12 he's like yeah but they're the best four loss team in the country like so I tweeted I'm like are you having third now he's like no um this is crazy that Washington State is one in five and I look at him as like I think that's a pretty good team you know but they're one in five uh in the conference and uh yeah I, I don't know this was a this was a nutty one 33 to 20 but like I said it was 33 14 um late in the game and uh yeah Washington State didn't really have a lot of answers for monster in the offense he like you said like he would pick up I think it was like a fourth down and they you know Cal went for it in, in Washington State territory and monster runs it you know runs for the first down like they just they were it was it was a I mean five touchdowns on offense like that's crazy yeah totally crazy um and if I was kind of on the same uh boat as Leaf with um respect to Washington State but uh, this one kind of changes it for me I mean you can't 
lose. It's going to go down as a 13 point loss, but this was getting your butt handed to you by Cal. Yeah. Um, this is the first game that feels like, oh, ooh, yeah, Washington State, you're not, you're not too great. Because yeah. UCLA, ASU, and Oregon, you can make an argument that those were all kind of fluky occurrences, almost. Um, they just all went against Washington State. And, you know, odds forever, you'd probably expect at least one of those to go Washington State's way. The only real loss, the real big loss, was to Utah. Um, but this is a really big loss to a bad team. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, both teams are still alive for a bowl. Uh, Washington State, I think, probably has a slightly easier path. They have to, you know... They have Stanford and and Oregon State before go, getting Washington, so they have two opportunities to get that sixth win. Cal needs to uh, win one of USC at Stanford and at UCLA, so doable, um, but not not easy. I don't think they'll. There's a chance they could be like a pick 'em against Stanford, but I don't think they're going to be favored in either of uh, in any of these games remaining. No. Okay. Rough. Rough going there. This is baffling to me, David. Okay, so how how upside down is this conference? We're going to talk about this game. Our number seven team after a loss is Oregon State Beavers. And uh, they were taking on the number three team. This was Friday night, I believe. Washington Huskies. Yeah, this was, so we talked about it in the, in the, uh, in the uh, preview show, um, how, the knowledge that both sides have of the other, like Jonathan Smith obviously being a Washington coach for a long time, Washington knowing what his offense is going to look like, how that was going to play out with everything. And I think it kind of played out in a couple of interesting ways and, a co- and one very, very brutal way. Um, Washington ended up winning 19-7, to which I really don't think captures the game well. Um, and I'll, I'll just give a stat that I think captures the game better. Um, Oregon State had a total of 119 yards in this football game. In the in the first half or something? or Well, actually, in the first half, I think it was like 112. I think they got like something like seven <laughs> second half yards. Eight. Eight. <laughs> Eight second half yards. Um, what, what was your favorite yard game <laughs> in the second half? Oregon but it was State. like, it was Because you so, had eight of them. You should remember each one of them fondly. Like, I watched so much of Jake Luton throwing the ball in this one, and I felt for him every single time he dropped back to pass. Because I didn't, all right, he had 28 attempts for 88 yards and a pick. And I didn't even <laughs> think he played that bad. Like, I was watching it, and I'm like, buddy, I have no idea what you were supposed to do there. You're, like, you got, yeah, sorry. I mean, you got nothing. Like, his offensive line was, like, just overmatched. Um, I think Washington State's defensive line is really coming into its own lately. Um, but they they just dominated this matchup and made it so Luton had no time to throw. The play designs, like, everything quick developing was just eaten up so quickly. Oregon State was able to hit some stuff early to Isaiah Hodgins, um, but he d- he looked a little banged up, too. Um, it was just an absolutely brutal offensive showing for Oregon State and mostly influenced by, I think, a Washington defense that first is getting a lot better and second um, really had this offense scouted out well. Yeah, um, this, was, this was very much a Jimmy Lake game um, where he just kind of owned it. Um, on Washington's offensive end, I mean, look, they ran the ball really, really well. Um, and they, they crushed Oregon State on the ground. They should have scored a lot more than 19 points. Um, some critical errors by Jacob Eason, who just did not look good in this one. And also, 
I'm going to give some credit to Oregon State's defense, even despite the offense literally not being able to do a single thing. Um, they hung in there. Um, and yeah, Washington, I mean, Washington finished with whatever it was, well over four, yeah, 420 yards. Um, but it was on 81 plays. I mean, it wasn't as if they were getting just run over. No. Um, Oregon State is, I, I, I think they're close. I, I, I mean, we've got them, what, number seven? I think they're close to being like an actually good team. Right now, they're probably an actually average team. Um, and there's there's signs that the defense is actually turning into something legitimate, too. Um, so a lot of reason to think that, that good things are happening in Corvallis, but this was, I, I, this was one that was brutal to watch. Yeah. I don't know why they look so much better on the road this year than at home. It's, but it's weird. Like they do, they just don't look good at home. Like every time they're home, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a spark and they look like crap half the time. You know, they, they got that, uh, they got a close win over Cal at home, but just, I mean, their best games have all been on the road, I would think, you know, like the Arizona they've, win. They, or they've the also UCLA had win. their, yeah, they've had their best opponents at home, though. Uh, I mean, it's Washington, they had Utah at home, and they had Oklahoma State at home, and they should have beaten Stanford. Like, that one should have been a win um, yeah. at home over the Cardinal. Um, but they've played UCLA, Cal, and Arizona, and that was UCLA at its um, at its lowest point. So. Yeah. I think part of it's circumstantial. Um, I don't think it's that the Corvallis home field effect has gotten, you know, weakened over the years. I, I'm very interested to see what they do against ASU this weekend uh, yeah. because ASU, I think, is in that same pool of like kind of averageish teams, and that should be a team that they should be able to um, play competitively at least at home. There was a lot of drives in this that were sort of like teetering on the edge of that could be good, that could be bad, and the Pac-12 refs were highly involved. <laughs> There yeah. was a lot of hurting or helping they took control. <laughs> yeah, there was like the, the, the Pac-12 refs had a big part of what was going on. Um, I think, you know, the first quarter, like Washington had a like really good drive. And there was a couple penalties and that they had up settling for a field goal after like a holding penalty. Oregon State comes right back. And then they 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 I think they went for a fourth and three, like near midfield and they failed. And there was a lot of failures. I think Oregon State missed their first five or six third down conversions. Um, I mean, they got a big interception on a deep ball, Jacob Eason threw, and it looked like, Hey, that's going to bring some momentum. Um, and then they get like back to back 15 yard penalties and they have to punt. Uh, it's, you know, they're going three and out after getting a turnover. There was just weird stuff that was happening. Like Oregon state couldn't really figure it out. They had opportunities because it wasn't like Washington was blowing away. Washington nearly did the double miss field goal around halftime, you know, like the the double whammy where you go into halftime and you score and you get the ball back and then you score again. Well, it was like almost the exact opposite of that. Cause they go into halftime, miss a field goal. They come out of halftime, miss a field goal, but Oregon state got called for defensive holding on a Washington, Washington missed field goal. So they get another chance at it. And then he hits that one. Um, and that, you know, that was 13, nothing at the time. And it just seemed like that was uh, out of reach the whole second half. Oregon state's going three and out. Like they had eight yards, they had 119 yards for the game, six total first downs, and they punted 10 times. You can't do that and win. And for it to be, you know, this was a 10-point spread. We still almost covered. If if Oregon State doesn't get that holding defensive holding penalty and that they don't get a retry on that field goal, we would actually covered this game, which we had no business covering. But just a really weird one. The refs were so involved, and I, I just I can't imagine how I, I I can't believe Jonathan Smith and his offense looked this bad. 
if one if someone knew what the other one was doing, it was definitely Washington knowing what uh, Oregon State was doing. And uh, you know, I think they were, like you said, the Oregon State defense I think played pretty well. So maybe there was enough knowledge on both sides, but. Whatever Washington knew negated just about anything Oregon State could try to do. At some point, you figured out they were going to figure something out, and they're going to move the ball, and they just could not. Yeah, and Washington just has better players right now. I mean, and that's probably going to be the case in perpetuity. So that's yeah, always going to play a role. I don't. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's changing. But man, that no, was not not for not for a while. That was crazy. All right, uh, we have one more game to discuss. So our number uh, six team, Arizona State Sun Devils, <laughs> which still seems a little high, but I mean, where are you going to put them? Uh, they were hosting our number four team, USC Trojans. Yeah, so USC jumped out to a huge twenty-eight-seven lead. Must have been a blowout, right? It could have been. Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, are you saying it didn't end up a blowout? It did not. <laughs> uh, Hold on. Arizona I'm, State had a pick uh, oh, six oh, that was called back. 31-26. <laughs> yes. Wow. And ASU basically took the lead on a pick six that got called back because of a penalty. Because, you know, it's the back <laughs> 12. But. Um, all right. So USC started out this game fully gangbusters. Like, that, that offense suddenly looked like, oh, wow. This damn thing's unstoppable again. You know how it looked right at the beginning of the year where I was like, oh, crap. I like said, tweeted out something. Yeah, you said like Keaton Slovis is the greatest player in the history of college football or something. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's what it felt like when after one quarter of football, it was 28-7 USC, uh, four straight touchdowns. And they weren't like gimme touchdowns. It was 11 plays, 75 yards, six plays, 82 yards, six plays, 75 yards, three plays, 98 yards. <laughs> That's traveling. That's traveling quite a distance. That's yeah. that's not. It wasn't like short fields or anything. Like you know. no. And then just everything went to absolute crap uh, for the offense. Uh, from that point on, they didn't score another touchdown. Uh, the ensuing drives were punt, interception, punt, downs, field goal, fumble, punt, punt, punt. End of game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just so all right. Part of it was obviously Keaton Slovis went down with what? What it was eventually turned out to be cramping. He was cramping, and his calf was cramping up. So he ended up getting three bags of fluids. Um, but they were they were still struggling before he went out. They, he was just out for a little while, and uh, Matt Fink comes in for a bit, and then Slovis was back in there. So it, I, I don't think that was a significant reason why. You know, if you have your quarterback, Dave, have the mm-hmm. greatest quarter that any quarterback in college football has had in any game in the last 15 years. No one's had a better quarter than that. <laughs> 297 yards, four touchdowns. He was 15 of 17. His mm-hmm. passer rating was like 5 million. You know, it was something crazy. And then you score three points in the next 45 minutes. Like, that That doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't. It was. It, it's. It's pretty cool though that they almost lost this game. Like that's that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, and so we should like let's back up for a second. Uh, ASU was without Jaden Daniels in this one, as we discussed at at a reasonable volume earlier earlier today in the show. Um, and uh, Joe Yellen was in there starting, um, and he didn't look horrible. Uh, he threw a couple of picks, um, but he looked you know, semi-competent and did a huge job 
uh, helping to lead the uh, the comeback late. Uh, but Arizona State was down its most critical offensive player in this one uh, and still was able to mount this comeback. Yeah. What does that say? Like, what? who do you see this game as an indictment of on the USC side? I mean, it's the, the coaching staff for sure. Uh, I mean, given up, they gave up a, a kickoff return for a touchdown against Oregon. They give up a 97 yard kickoff return that, you know, that's the seven of the 28 to seven. That's where that came from because ASU, I think had one yard in the first quarter. USC had 315 yards. ASU had one, but they still scored a touchdown because they got a 97 yard kickoff return or whatever it was. Um, but then, you know, just the, the offense kind of went into the, the tank and, uh, they just weren't really doing much. It's sort of like you get this big lead and you're just kind of sitting on, just sat on it and, uh, they couldn't get anything going. And I got to give ASU credit. I think, you know, once Yellen got the, got the, in the swing of things, I thought he played pretty well. I, we, we discussed this on our tunnel vision show, uh, Sunday night. If Jaden Daniels plays in this game, I think ASU wins. Um, they did. So we talked about the pick six when it was 31, 26, uh, ASU pick six, but there was a holding call and the guy who got called for holding it, you know, he, he didn't affect the, the, where the ball was going, but he did throw like one of the USC receivers down, but then he ran in front of another receiver and picked the ball off and ran it for a touchdown. That would have been, uh, probably, you know, seal the game, uh, at that point because USC wasn't really doing very much. Um, but the, you know, ASU had a drive at the end of the game that they were driving to win the game. And that's something we've seen with Jaden Daniels and ends, ends up being an interception by Yellen and uh, a really nice play by uh, Christian Rector, USC's defensive end, like tips it to himself and he dives and makes the interception. But we've seen Jaden Daniels do this three times already this year. And, you know, on those critical situations, it's third and 15. He could pick up the, the first down with his legs. So even if he didn't play better, like the rest of the game, I, I feel like Dave, if, if he's got the ball in the last minute of the game and he's driving to win, uh, ASU had a pretty good shot at it. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, yeah, I think it, you could easily make the claim that if Jaden Daniels plays in this one, he is, I mean, th- this is an ASU win. Um, but we didn't cover. We. I we, did. we did not win this one. No, you Because did we yes. picked ASU. Um, because we don't backtrack on our on our bets. We don't welch. There's no welching. You can change the, the, the game. Has it happened? If you say, Hey, I think I want to take Washington this week. I'm switching it. Okay. So, so my being incapacitated on the top of a mountain, when that information comes out, that, mm-hmm. that doesn't play a role. Well, I mean, isn't it your job to like cover these games? Why are you incapacitated on a game day? Like that doesn't make much sense. Well, who knows? Maybe I thought I could get a signal on the top of angels <laughs> landing. You don't know. Do you have full it, like coverage map of the United States? Do you know where you can get a signal? No, but I do know yeah. that even when you're home, you don't answer text messages. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. I have no defense. But almost it would have been it would actually have been sweet justice if uh ASU came back and won and then you would have won and I would have switched mine and lost. Like that would have been Yeah, great. I mean, I'll be honest, I did check the score before re- responding to your text message. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have of cared, yeah, but that, I mean, it's this is tough for ASU losing three in a row now. I thought they'd play a little bit better after the bye week, but you felt like. And the other thing, if Jaden Daniels plays, does USC get that kind of momentum early on? Like they were just blitzkrieging the Sun Devils, and yeah, because I mean, Joe Yellen was just trying to get essentially comfortable. I think he, had, really. he hadn't thrown a pass yet in college, yeah. so he hadn't had a real snap. He came in for one snap; it was negated from a penalty or something. 
Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think if if Jaden Daniels is in this one, probably isn't that blitz early. Um, maybe USC spreads that out a little bit more in the first half. I don't know. Um, but no, I, it would be a completely different game. Yeah. Um, so obviously we hope uh, Jaden Daniels comes back here quick um, because ASU is a very different team without him um, starting at quarterback. Yeah. So ASU uh, right now, they got, uh, they're got they going to go on the road against Oregon State, which is apparently where you want to play the Beavers. Uh, then they, they host Oregon and host Arizona. So... I mean, the Arizona game, certainly winnable. They have not looked good. You know, you can beat Oregon State on the road. Oregon, probably not. But, um, you know, I think you only need one game. only need to win one game for bowl eligibility. So, I, you know, I think that's uh, definitely achievable. Critically, um, this was only a one-score game. So, Herm's back back in the habit. Yes. Uh, that's, you know. but after, after a bad couple of weeks, he's back to doing what he needs to do. Right. And that used to that within one score. Yeah. That UCLA game wasn't in, as like we talked about. It wasn't as close as the, uh, the final score indicated. No. It was way worse than that. All right. Uh, so let's, speaking of our number five team, UCLA Bruins, they had a bye. Um, four, we already talked about USC three. We already talked about Washington and then, you know, Still at number two, Utah Utes on a bye, and then still at number one, Oregon Ducks also on a bye. Beautiful, yeah. That's that was that was a tight show. It was pretty tight. Um, we don't have time. We'll try to do questions. So I think are we going to do it Wednesday? You think? Like yeah. Wednesday? So we're gonna. Tr- so everyone, uh, thank you for your uh, you know, your patience. Um, we are going to try to do another show uh, late-ish on Wednesday. So depending on Ryan's schedule, either it would go up late Wednesday night or maybe early Thursday morning. I don't know. Um, and that'll be the one with our picks, which usually don't take that long. Um, and then we'll try to get into as many questions as possible. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of questions in there. I started, I was starting to go through them. There's a lot. Yeah. So we'll try to get to all those on Wednesday. Um, and cause I think we'll, we'll have a little bit more freedom with our schedule on Wednesday, maybe assuming I can maintain coherence, um, late into my East coast night. Uh, but we will try to get all of that done so that you guys get even more bang for your buck your non-existent buck that you do not pay us this week. Nice. Well, that's going to wrap things up. So recapping uh, an exciting week 11, and we'll preview week 12, answer all your questions like David said. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of champions, and we will talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.